morning session. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. certificates for the baptism in the next service at the beginning part but we have one brother who was baptized and he cannot stay for the second service and so I would like to give that to him right now brother Joe come brother Joe said needs some knee surgery so I'm glad he made it in the ocean safely brother Joe this is your certificate of your baptism and uh, you can frame it if you want to but uh, this is a token of uh, what happened yesterday which was a very important, significant, spiritual uh, milestone. Amen. Glad you made it. Congratulations. Lord bless you. Thank you. Okay, there you go. All right, let's give your hand. You may be seated, and then your classes may be dismissed. Remind me, I have a couple of good announcements, uh, a couple of bits of good news, just for your uh, information. The bulletins were sent to your email address if you're a member, and uh, so that's where that bulletin is. We have some hard copies for those who we didn't get emails for or for visitors. Anybody else leaving? Okay, I'm uh, glad you visitors are here today, and um, it's good to meet you. And then, of course, uh, Kristen's mother is here, Debbie, from Florida. She's not a stranger to us. She's been here more than once, and uh, usually it's in connection to a birth. And so Kristen is due on Tuesday, and so pray for her. And um, I'm all nervous about it because, because it's a, a home birth and bypassing hospital and all those kind of things 
And so this is not her, this is your third, second home birth? Second. Second home birth. And so um, I'm free that day, anyone? Yes. I'm free that day. So if you'd like to pick me up, pick me to lunch, play tennis or something, I'm available that day. All day, right? I'm waiting for the text to say, okay, you can come home now. And so I'm just, I'm just unable to uh, handle things like that. It's good news, but just uh, not my makeup, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just uh, a wimp. All right, uh, let's pray for our class this morning. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be in church. And thank you for letting us uh, freely come to worship you and to learn from your word. We pray for your blessings in all the classes in our class today. And uh, we ask for a blessing. Thank you, Father, for uh, the baptism yesterday. We pray that you help each one to walk with you and continue growing in you. And thank you for the time you've given to us to be in church. Give us a blessing. Speak to our hearts and speak to our heads. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come back to 1 John chapter 2. Now, we have been lingering in 1 John chapter 2 because as I go through this book, verse by verse, it, it, it appears that there's so much here, even though it's a very simple book, there is so much here that um, we just have to cover, and I've taken the position of not rushing through because just to finish a portion of Scripture just because doesn't make sense to me, and now we're going to take our time go through. If we cover two verses, we'll be doing all right. If we can, if we can go through the verses and learn what God says about it, that'd be worth our time. First John chapter 2, verse number 17. There are two warnings here. 1 John 2, verse number 17 and verse number 18. Oh, I have good news to tell you. I can tell you now, I can tell you later. What would you prefer? Why wait? Now. Why wait? Now? You just visit. Well, I don't need your input. You just. Uh, Brother Eddie and his wife are from uh, Colorado, oh, and uh, he's already imposed his will on us. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Retired Air Force, is that right? Yes. And so glad to have you in your visiting. And then uh, Crystal, Crystal? Yes. Back there, and we're glad to meet you today, too. And then uh, another couple visited today, and uh, I'm sorry I forgot your name already, but... Um, Erlen. I'm sorry? Erlen. 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 Erlen and... J.R. J.R., okay. I'm glad to meet both you two and your, your children. Uh, what was I saying now? Oh, oh, good news, good news, good news. And then we're going to first John. Um, there's going to be a wedding in October. Wow. <laughs> You're never going to guess. Yours? <laughs> no, I'm done for already. Um, Brother Eric. Eric Cho. Who just transferred to El Paso back in April is getting married. Okay. And you never guess who's getting married too. <laughs> you might want to guess, but you're going to guess wrong. His fiance. Yes, his fiance. <laughs> All right, Mari. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that's in October. I have been given permission to make that public. And so <clears throat> we're waiting for him to pick his best man he has. And so that'll be a wedding here in Hawaii, in our church, yeah, sometime in October. So date forthcoming, but that's good news. Yes. And so he's happy about that. Amen. And uh, we talked to both of them, and uh, 
we feel very confident this is God's will for the boat and that um, this is something that uh, they've gotten into uh, impulsively but uh, long going relationship things like that and so that's great news and then also uh, someone retired from Tripler on Friday Carmen so she had quite a ceremony at Tripler and uh, Mara attended to that one and so she has finished her full time work over at Tripler so congratulations Carmen thank you yeah. 32 years 32 years 32 years. Now she says she has more time to go walking with her husband. And uh, she said also, she did say this quote, to pass out tracks as I go. So praise the Lord for that. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 2 and come to verse number 17. Let's read it together, please. Verse number 17 and verse number 18. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Now there is a warning, and there's an admonition in these verses. The first one is in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 17. The world passeth away, we talked about that a little bit, about what the world is, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now the warning is this, the world does not last. The world does not last. The, the physical world will not last forever. And the world system will not last forever. The world will one day be gone. That's the warning. It will not last. Therefore, do not invest your life into this world. Don't invest in something that will not bring you any dividends or any, any value or any benefits. That's the gist of what we're looking at here. Do not invest your whole affection into this world. Now, there was a man in the Bible, there's a man in the Bible, here is his name. This guy, this man, this man invested his life into this world, into his world. He thought that the city that he wanted to move into, which he eventually did, is going to bring him fortune, it's going to bring him fame, it's going to bring him the admiration of his peers. It's going to give him a position and some power in his lifetime. He was after this world. This man, he got all those things. But he did not remember or did not realize that the world passeth away. Tragic story. Not only did he lose his fortunes, his fame, his honor, he lost something else that was far more important. By the way, what is this man's name? Joe. Lot. Lot. Uh, now, Joe, okay, let's see. J-O-B, that'd be a good guess, but you're totally, how can I kind of say, you're totally wrong. <laughs> Absolutely wrong. Old Testament, New Testament. I'm not saying. Oh. <laughs> All right. Lot. Uh, Lot. 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 Oh my yeah. gosh. Uh, his uncle Abraham was a spiritual man. He probably told him about Sodom and Gomorrah. He was not totally unaware, I don't believe, as a read between the lines, as to the nature, the lifestyle, the climate, the atmosphere, the way of living in Sodom and Gomorrah. Yet he still pitched his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah, and he moved in. And you know the rest of this sad, sad story in Genesis chapter 13, 14, 19, where not only did he lose everything, he lost something far more important and far more precious. 
Here's what he lost. Lot lost his family. Losing his family was far more tragic than losing his money or his prestige. All of those things was not to be compared to the loss of his family. It was a tragic story. Read that sometime. Take your time. Read those chapters. And you will find that John says something that's very true. Uh, the world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abide forever. Tragic story. Here's a negative example. Uh, I will tell you this because I do think that uh, for, for Bible truth, history, or doctrine, there's always something personal to apply. There's always something that applies to you today, no matter where you live, time. It always has an application for you. The truth and history, Lot lived for the world. He got what he wanted, but he lost everything that was really precious to him. Tragedy. There's a lesson for us today as New Testament Christians in 2022. You don't want to be like Lot. You don't want to drive for, go after the things of this life only. And while you're doing that, to achieve, to aspire to have, to get, to gain, to increase, you, want, you don't want to lose your family or your children for that particular goal that you have. There are things more important than money. There are things more important than gold. There's things more important than a yacht, a penthouse in New York City. Uh, there's more things, things more important than just uh, having a Maserati, Lamborghini, than having a car for each day of the week. You know some athletes have that a car for each day of the week. They've got a seven car garage. They drive one car on Monday. They drive Monday's car. They drive Friday's car. Now that's, that's wealthy. That's wealthy. To me, since you asked my opinion, that is obscene. That's unnecessary. If you have a 19, if you have a 2010 Toyota Corolla or something that runs, starts every morning, you should be happy. Now, if your AC works, you should be extra happy. Okay? And if gas prices go back down to $1.68, you should be very, very happy. You don't have to have a shirt. Pardon my detour, but I hope this is all somehow connected to love not the world and um, uh, the world passed away. You don't have to have a shirt, gentlemen, that cost you $1,500 because of the material, the fabric, and the way it was made, and where it was made from, and all that kind of thing. You don't have to have that. You don't have to go to some country club and just to have them say, whoa, nice shirt, where'd you get it from? And you, you're proud to see where you got it from. That's not necessary to be happy in life. But people, men do that. And ladies, can I get on your case as well? Yeah. Well, might as well tell you too, be, we're equal opportunity church here. <laughs> and um, there are stores in our town in Alamoana that are very high end. And uh, there's nothing wrong with those stores if you can afford them. But I would never, Go to those stores and say, ah, we walked through uh, Neiman Marcus. To me, Neiman Marcus is way up there for me. We walked through one time and just walking through, cutting, shortcut. <laughs> and uh, I looked at the prices of things, blouse, a blouse, a blouse, a short sleeve blouse. I didn't say anything fancy about it. A short sleeve blouse with a collar, four or five buttons. But I looked at the price tag. I couldn't believe it. I said, I said to myself, I gotta have my wife go down a different aisle <laughs> because she might be tempted by this. $185 for a blouse. 
Now, for, for maybe you, it's like, yeah, it's like going to Goodwill. Okay, but we usually go to Goodwill. When we visit my mother-in-law in Michigan, you know where they go? They go four or five times a week to Goodwill. Because they say, oh, people bring stuff, drop it off. You never can tell what you might find there. And so they're also going to Goodwill. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But um, you, you cannot set your affection in this world because this world passes away. Now, while I say that, I'm not saying you can't have nice things. So don't misunderstand. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have a new car. It's okay to have a new house. It's okay to have a new whatever. Some people are into new devices. Okay, fine. Uh, Apple, uh, you know, 25, 26, 89, whatever it is. Uh, or Samsung Galaxy phone um, S200. I got an S10. And now it's up to 25 or 30, I don't know. But my phone works, so why am I um, craving another phone? We always get these things come along, the Verizon app. Oh, you can get 800 discount if you get this phone, S90, S95, S1200 or something. And uh, just sign a con whatever. Okay, now I'm thinking, well, that sounds really good. Probably takes better pictures, has bigger memory, all the kind of good things that appeals to me as a consumer. But I'm thinking, what's wrong with my phone? Nothing. It's just gets it just gets lost by itself sometimes. That's the only problem with the phone. It has a mind of its own. Other than that, I don't need another. I'm just simply saying, uh, many Christians, many Christians become like Lot. Now, this is an extreme case, but you want to be careful not to go in that direction. You don't have to make the big leap. You don't want to do that. But things be, things happen incrementally. Lot began very slowly, and finally he moved into Sodom and Gomorrah. Didn't happen so quickly, but it happened. Something got into his head. Something got into his heart. Pretty soon that's all he thought about. On the back of the bulletin, have a little portion here. It says, uh, slow down and muse. Muse means to think. He began to muse about what would it be like to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. How much could I generate my income with my skills, my people skills, and everything else? And he began to muse about what it would be like there, and he finally made the move. It was all for something very temporal, very much for now. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that you need to really evaluate what your value is in this life as a Christian. And so there's nothing wrong with financial security. There's nothing wrong with social acceptance, really. There's nothing good about you being hated by people who are not Christians because you're nasty, because you're obnoxious. There's nothing good about that. Some Christians think, if I'm liked by people who are unsaved, I'm a compromiser. No. There's nothing wrong with you being liked by people who are not Christians. Because that means you're decent, respectable, you're honest, you're hardworking. You don't have to be always in somebody's face to prove that you're a Christian. That is not necessary. It is not necessary. And it's not necessary for us to think that uh, we're going to go to heaven one day, therefore I should live in poverty. That's not necessary too. So we have to have some kind of balance here. And we cannot be, we cannot be so out of balance. Uh, I have a word that I think is very important, and that word is balance. And so um, the Christian life, living in the world, do you have to, do you, you don't have to have, I mean, it doesn't have to be extreme. It, it can be balanced. You can be a good Christian, being in this world, but not of the world. We talked about that last time. And so now he's saying, the warning here is that the world will pass away. Therefore, don't invest in this world where everything is in this world. Did not Jesus say in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. That is to indicate to us, the Christian in this time, in this life, that we are to have a perspective about what's really important in life. Now come to Hebrews chapter 11. Here's a good reference for us to see. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you turn there, I want to just again say, you don't have to be mean to people who are not Christians. You can have a good testimony without being nasty. Now, for example, children's sports, team sports like soccer, they have a lot of soccer matches on Sunday. Now, the slippery slope that parents can get on to Christian parents is, my son, my daughter loves soccer. I want to be a good soccer player. Nothing wrong with that. Could be base, could be any sport. But they have games on Sunday. So what are you going to do, Christian father, Christian mother? Well, we have a game on Sunday. Uh, you're going to be a good Christian. What do good Christians do on Sunday? We go golfing. Go golfing. Get in our boats because we've had a hard week of work, so we're going to go on our boat on Sunday and get ready for the next day. No. You normally go to church, don't you? It's part of your routine. It's just a good habit to have. And so, as an example of how you can be kind and yet have a good position on what you believe, uh, when's the game? Sunday? What time? Nine o'clock. How long the game? No, you know, when a game starts at nine o'clock, you don't just show up at nine o'clock. You've got to come an hour or two earlier to get warm up and all the kind of, all the kind of stuff. And then after the game, there's a potluck. It's an all-day affair, just about. So, if it starts at nine, you're going to miss church. And so, uh, so Cam uh, and Miranda, we have a soccer match on Sundays, and we need your son because your son's a star soccer player. Um, oh yeah, well, okay, that's good, I guess. But uh, Sunday, huh? Can it be another time? Can it be like Sunday at midnight or ten o'clock at night? <laughs> Do we have a night match instead? And well, what's the problem here? What's the problem here, Kathy? Well, um, well, it's not a problem. It's just that I, I have a I have a commitment. Have a commitment. We go to church on Sunday. So services start at this time. We're going to get ready. And afterwards, it's, you know, and so we're going to be, there's a block of time on Sunday that we are committed to. And we're not doing anything to interfere that commitment. Oh, so that's that's fine to explain like that. I have to say, listen, hear you. Listen, hear you. I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sunday. And nothing will take me out of church on Sunday. You hear that? That's not necessary. You're just an egghead. No, no, you're just a, you're just a, you're just a, a nasty, mean, spirited, bad Christian. You don't have to be like that. When you talk like that with other situations, oh, okay, well, well, I wish you could come, but uh, we'll, we'll try to do without you. Okay, fine. We'll see it money practice. Okay, fine. No need for confrontation. No need to get. Um, into a battering ram situation, two rams hitting like that, not, not necessary. Sometimes Christians think to be fundamental, to be to be firm in stances and position, you have to be mean. You don't have to be mean. Okay, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't go out of my way to make trouble because that's not necessary. Just live the life of a Christian. Be pleasant. Be gentle. The Bible says in Second Timothy, gentle unto all men. Gentle unto all men. Disagree with you, try to impose things on you. You still can be gentle and still have a good, firm stand. Don't have to stick your chest out and almost stand for Jesus. 
Well, there's, there's some wrong ways of doing it. Have some common sense. And so the compromise here is that you suddenly, it seems like it's sudden, but you slowly get into that position where you are like a lot. And so now Hebrews chapter 11, a good example here about choosing something better than this passing world. Hebrews 11, 24, this is about Moses. Listen to what it says. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, we are seeing in the testimony of the scriptures about Moses, he chose not to stay in the present world that offered him a lot, but he chose instead to beat the people of God and suffer temporary reproach for the greater reward that he had in, I'll say, Jesus Christ. And that's how we think about this life in balancing things out. Nothing wrong with having things, nothing wrong with having, nothing wrong with having, but we balance it out with what's really internal, what's really of lasting value. The world passes away, and when you pass away, who will have your fame, your wealth, your riches, and everything else? Well, you certainly won't take with you. The old Egyptian pharaohs, you know what they did? Oh, coincidentally, a pyramid. <laughs> <laughs> and so they got buried in this huge monstrosity of a um, civil engineering project. I don't know how they all did it. Actually. There's so many, so many theories about how they built the pyramids. It's, it's amazing. But down deep in that belly, deep down deep, the Pharaoh had all these different things to accompany him in the afterlife. You know what happened? He never enjoyed it. Couldn't experience it. Couldn't take this boat with him. Couldn't take the gold with him. Couldn't take this jewelry. Couldn't take anything with him. You know who got it? The grave robbers got it. He got nothing. The superstitious belief, as we see from the Bible in comparison, they could not enjoy all the stuff that they had in this life into the next life. Couldn't enjoy it. The Christian should be wiser from the Bible to think this life is not all that there is. There's more to this life than just this life. And Moses is an example of someone who chose that better country. The Christian should choose the better country too. Matthew 6, 33, one more time. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek, 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 seek. Set your affection on things above. While on this earth you take care of basic, normal, routine responsibilities. The extremes that people have, and I, I just got to tell you this. The extremes is um, all heaven and no earth. No earthly needs. It should be balanced. It should not be one or the other. You know the old saying, he is so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. Uh, sort of true, but not true. If you're heavenly minded, you'll be of earthly good. If you're heavenly minded, you take your family. If you're heavenly minded, you take your personal responsibilities. If you're heavily minded, you would not neglect important things of this life as a good steward. You cannot be so heavily minded that you just 
don't pay your bills, don't pay your rent, don't pay your mortgage, don't take your responsibilities, don't pay your tax, don't, 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 because everything's up in heaven, not the Antichrist. You're a fool to think everything's heaven. You have that balance. You have to be a good steward in this lifetime. Now, uh, years ago, I mean decades ago, when I first began in the ministry, we had a mindset back back then where people were opting out of Social Security. They say, "Well, you know, it won't be it won't be around when you retire." That was a trend among among ministers. The the body that we were with, or the group that we were with, that we associated with voluntarily, they all advocated that it's gonna be bankrupt before you can ever retire, so opt out of it now. And when you get ordained to the ministry, you have a certain period of time which you can opt out of SS. Some people did. You know where they are now? Now, think, their mind was to be more heavenly minded, to seek a better country, but while they thought that, they neglected their earthly life now. So now they have to really work hard to make up for what they don't have in SS. They, they took the advice back then and now they're hurting. Um, may I tell you this? Yes. Okay, thank you. Years ago, um, years ago, I never had thoughts about investing or saving for retirement kind of thing like that. And it was not only until about 12 years ago, uh, the light bulb came on. And so, but back then, I had this unbalanced mindset about serve Christ now and rewards in heaven, all true. And so don't save, spend your money, use it up. That's what it's there for. Don't let the Antichrist get your bank account. And that's the kind of mindset that people had many years ago. I had that mindset too. You know what happens? After a while you begin to, here's the word. That begins to happen to anyone after they start living a longer time. Something happens to them, which is a good thing. This is why kids who are 13, 14, 15, 16 don't need to get a driver's license because of this. They're not this. They're not this. This way you should not get married when you're a teenager and the only source of income you have is your paper route. You should not get married, even if you think so, because they're not this. You know what this word is? This is what happens to all of us eventually, we hope. You begin to mature as you grow older. And lo and behold, a maturity bug hit me. That mosquito, that bug hit me. And it dawned on me one day, I was out of balance in my thinking. So here's what I'm saying as I connect First John about love not the world, the world passes away. It doesn't mean, even though the world passed away, it doesn't mean you should not be wise and be a good steward in this world. It doesn't mean it's wrong to have money or to try to save money or invest in something to give you a good... It doesn't mean that at all. As a matter of fact, there's a Bible verse in the Old Testament, Proverbs 28. Look at this one. Proverbs 28, 20. As a matter of fact, as I talk about and as I teach through this verse about the world passing away and how we should have some balance about how we view our lives... Proverbs 28, 20 tells us this. A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall
shall not be innocent. It's about money. It's about gain. It's about gaining it too quickly, like gambling or some some scheme that is too risky. Or it is about a faithful man who is methodical, gets good sound advice, and he invests or does something with his, with his income and money and savings and so on. And so he shall abound blessings. Read into that, he shall have something more that is good for him. So there's nothing wrong, I don't think, about investing. And so don't ever, don't ever think that the Bible is teaching that you should not invest or save money. Don't ever think that because it doesn't say that. When it says the world passes away, yes, it does. And when you and I pass away, we won't spend what we have earned, but somebody else can. Your children can. Your grandkids can benefit from your wise investments and so on. So it's funny how the Bible, which teaches one thing, leads often and touches on other things. This is all about the world. Don't put your whole emphasis in this world. But while that is true, there is a balance to all of this. I am so glad, I am so glad that about 12 years ago, we began to, um, we got into a program that is going to be helpful as we grow older. And ladies and gentlemen, we all are going to grow older. Unless the Lord comes back for us. And as you get older, you get a little bit more um, tired, a little bit less energy, a little bit less zealous. And you can't uh, conquer Mount Kilimanjaro. And you can't um, you know, go to seven seas and all in one day. You can't do that anymore. Triathlon, forget that. That's for the younger people. Uh, stand up all night. When I was a kid, we had radio programs that we listened to. They had this DJs, disc jockeys, they would step all night locally, and they'd get themselves in bad physical. They step for like 30 days, just they're half dead by the time they're done. I mean, they have to have their brakes up. They go on top of this platform, and the whole promotion was to promote their, their radio station. Uh, J. Afo Hitpukuli. Remember him, anybody? <laughs> <laughs> His name was J. Aku Head. Tuna Head. <laughs> J. Akuhet Pupuli. Pupuli is crazy. J. Akuhet Pupuli. And uh, uh, Ron Jacobs. Those guys, Stan, do you remember Ron Jacobs? Wasn't that your cousin? <laughs> and they did these promotional schemes where they stood up uh, awake without sleep for like 10 days, 14 days, and they were just, they just punished their bodies. Uh, now, why did I tell you that? What? Getting, yeah, and when you get older, you don't want to do those kind of things. You don't want to camp up with the grandkids. You, you don't want to play baseball on Sunday afternoon because it's just too tiring. But when you're 20, oh, no problem. We used to play baseball when I was at church, uh, when I was saved and young. We'd play baseball, softball after church, no problem at all. And then go to evening service, and after it, play some more ping pong. And then play to 10 o'clock at night. We had energy, and then go down to KB and shoot baskets with the young uh, Marines and easy, not anymore, not anymore. And so as you grow older, you begin to realize that you hope to have something waiting for you to use when you retire. And so I'm very grateful for Carlton who gave us some advice and uh, other things. And so, you know, but you don't think like that because everything is, you're so heavenly minded. I once gave away we, we folded the bond at the home church one year back in the 70s to build something, and I invested with them. And after so many years, uh, the bonds have matured, and mine was maturing. 
And so the assistant pastor came up to me. He says, okay, now in a month, uh, we're supposed to pay you back this with the interest that we promised. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. I think back then it was like 7%, which is pretty good. And uh, he said, okay, now if you, if you cash this in, here's what you're going to get. And then he said this, which was like, I'll, I'll say $40,000, which was a lot back then in the early 70s or late 70s. And then I, he said, now, but however, if you don't cash in, we can use it to build the buildings. And I'm trying to be spiritual, trying to be a good guy. I said, you know what? Okay, I won't take it. Just keep it. Now, I, and I thought at the time this was a spiritual decision. And uh, could I have used that? Yeah, yeah. But I, I thought at the time, you know, my life is above. I, I kind of forgot that I had a wife. <laughs> I forgot that I wife. I had a young son. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So I was not balanced my thinking. Now, all I'm trying to explain to you by these illustrations is that you have that balance and you're thinking about your life. Eternity and now. Well, uh, thankfully we get matured more as time goes by. And so we need to do the will of God, he says, because the contrast is the point. Contrast is what John is talking about between a world that passes away and the will of God which endures forever. There's a contrast here. The contrast is serving God, you'll always be glad that you did and it doesn't end when you end. When you pass away, that does not pass away. It counts for something in eternity. There's a thing the Bible teaches in the New Testament about having rewards for faithfulness. Gold, silver, precious stone, or wood, hand, stubble, the precious metals will not melt away at God's judgment, and you will have rewards for your faithful service. So you don't lose. You just want to be careful not to be out of balance in this life as you're trying to serve the Lord. And so the contrast is the whole thing. Real life you're living is not limited to this life. If you have a lot of things and God blessed you, thank God for it. Thank God for it. If you don't have a lot of things, God's taking care of your needs, thank God for that. And so, investing in a better country is a better way than just living for now. And so, I want to be sure that we understand this. Life is temporal. Investing in your future, the future of your kids is wise. And that's wise. That's all necessary and good and helpful. And so, um, when it comes to, look at verse number 18, 218. Uh, back to verse 17 before you get to verse 18. 17. The world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth, now notice carefully, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now as you read that for the first time or the second time, he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What comes to your head? What comes to your mind when you think about what you just read? He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? He that doeth the will of God. Okay, obey, obey the Lord, yes. What else comes to your mind? He that doeth the will of God, result, abideth forever. What comes to your mind when you see it, the results of a, a doing the will of God, you abide forever? What, what comes to your mind? What's the first thing? Laying up treasures. Laying up treasures, okay. Putting God first. Putting God, yes, but there's something else. Salvation. Who said salvation? salvation? Salvation, okay. The first thing people think when they see that is they think that they must do something for 
salvation. Somehow, they read into that line that your salvation is based upon that you obey the will of God, you do something. That's what the first impression is. However, here's the rule of Bible interpretation. What seems, what the Bible seems to say may not be what it seems to say. Because context is so important to understand what the Bible is saying. Another rule, another rule is besides the context, is that as you look at the Bible in the big picture, you see the clear scriptures on an issue compared to the unclear scripture and you go with the clear scripture for your interpretation. Make clear the unclear by the clear scriptures. Now, though it seems to say, because it does say what it says, though it seems to say you must do something to have eternal life, it doesn't say eternal life, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Well, that seems to say eternal life, but that's my, my thought only. I could be wrong. Do the will of God, you'll abide forever. How do I figure this out? Okay, what does the Bible say? If it is personal salvation, what does the Bible say for me to do to have personal salvation? So that is the answer to this. And you will know in a minute that it is not something that you do to abide forever. All the other remarks were somehow relative and connected to this. But the real point I want you to see is you're not to do something to have everlasting life to abide forever. Because of some verses we will now look at. Here's one verse. Uh, Titus 3.5. Let's quickly look at Titus 3.5. And if you find it, go ahead and read it out quickly. Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Okay. So that very clearly says it's not by anything you do, it's by what the Holy Spirit does. Not by works of righteousness. One more verse, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And if you're the first to find it, just raise your hand, please. We need to really try to hurry. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Debbie. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should bend. Ah, okay. Look this way, please. These two good Bible verses are very, very clear. There's no question that a person is saved by faith. It's by God. That's very clear. You compare that to something that seems to be a little bit, mm, not sure about that, and you, can't, you get your answer. Whatever this verse means, it doesn't mean what it appears to say. Because these two verses alone makes it real clear how you are saved. Go by the clear verses, not by the unclear, to build a doctrine. Okay? The second thing to note here is that the context, I mentioned context first, the context of 1 John, to whom does John write 1 John? This is really the answer because it'll give us clarity 
about verse number 17, am I saved by something that I do? Is it my abiding eternally? Is it because I do the will of God? The answer is, is really found in the context. Who is John writing to? What kind of people? There's only two kinds of people in this world. There are those who are lost, unsaved, and then those who are saved. All right, so who is he writing to? Well, he's writing to this group of people. When you read 1 John in the first chapter, he, he lets you know clearly about sins that are forgiven. 1 John, the, the whole book, it's about people who have already been saved. Now, come to 1 John 5, and then I have to, I have to say something about 1 John 5. It helps us to clarify that we don't have to do anything by works to abide in Christ eternally. 1 John 5, verse number 11 and 12. 1 John 5, 11 and 12. All right. Anyone? Miranda, go ahead. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath life. All right. So he's writing to people that already have eternal life, they've already been saved, they have received Christ. Because they've received Christ, they have eternal life. Now, let me illustrate that. Uh, I will take Francis' little uh, order of service. Okay, I'm going to give this to someone here. Let's see. All right, I'll give it to, I'll give it to Carmen. Carmen, I'll give this to you. All right, now, I give Carmen a piece of paper, and Carmen has it. Carmen, what does that piece, piece of paper say? Eternal life. Eternal life. Now, what does she have? That's what it says right there. She has it. Now, give it to your no good husband. <laughs> <laughs> now, what does Francis have? Eternal piece of paper. What does it say on the piece of paper, Francis? Eternal life. Okay, you have eternal life because of what that document says. You know what you have if you have received Christ? Eternal life. That's what he says in 1 John. So the people of this book are people who already have eternal life. They don't need to abide in Christ as a work to, uh, to do the will of God, to, to abide in Him. They are already in Him by position in Christ already, have eternal life. So we know that this is not about doing something to gain eternal life. I hope that's clear. Now, if you're a little bit confused, um, you can ask after, but I hope that is, is a little bit more clear about that verse. Now, abiding in Him, abiding in Him also is a reference to a Christian life in which you must walk with the Lord to have fellowship with Him. And you abide in Him in that sense. You can be married to someone and not be abiding with each other. You can have broken fellowship with your spouse or with a friend. That's, it happens very easily. But if you want to have harmony and peace and good fellowship, then you have to do some things that cause you to abide together in peace and harmony. And that's more about what he's talking about than it is about uh, salvation. That's the first warning. Oh, the second warning. The second warning is verses 18 through 23. It is about the Antichrist. It's about the Antichrist. Now, I would just say this for this hour. And next time I have to cover more about the Antichrist because there's so much to say. But the Antichrist is mentioned here. There are two ways to see the Antichrist. One, the Antichrist that will come and become prominent in the tribulation. The Antichrist. 
right now, before the rapture, we don't know who the anti the Antichrist is. We have no idea. People guess all the time. They've guessed for generations. They thought it was Richard Nixon. They thought it was. Um, they thought it was. Um, uh, who was the? Uh, Kissinger. They thought it was Henry Kissinger because of the way he talked. <laughs> That's a good indication that he's the Antichrist because of the way he talked. Some think it's this other president. This other president. Some think you know they are guessing. It's a waste of time to guess who the Antichrist is. But there's one man called the Antichrist that will show up one day. He will rule the world, have a one world government, one world economy, and one world religion. The whole thing, he will rule the world one day. He hasn't come yet. He's not President Biden. He has not come up yet. But the Bible talks about the Antichrist. John talks about him. And then there are Antichrist with the S. And in John's time, there are many Antichrists those who have the spirit of Antichrist in which to teach doctrines about Jesus Christ that is not true to the Bible. They say that Christ did not come in the flesh. They say that he's just a spirit. He's just a ghost. He's like those Gnostics and uh, Antichrist. And it says those men who are like Antichrist, they teach against Christ. Anti is against. You ever see an anti-tank weapon? An anti-tank weapon is a weapon like a bazooka, armor-piercing round that can go through the armor of a tank. It's against the tank. It's a terrifying thing to be in a tank. And your computer says, uh oh, incoming. Where are you going to run to? There's five men in this tank. There's nowhere to go. You know, it's it's a horrifying few seconds before your tank blows up. Anti-tank. Antichrist, against Christ, false Christ, counterfeit Christ, all of those things go together. There's the Antichrist, which we don't know who he is. And then there is Antichrist in John's time, a flood of false teachers that travel, they're itinerant, they're like um, traveling salesmen, and you don't know what to believe. And so John says, we're going to test the spirits in 1 John 4. We're going to test the spirits whether it be of God or not, test the spirits. There's a spirit of Antichrist. All right, I, I cannot fully devote that part in a minute or two, so I'm going to have you try out. Cover it next time. All right, um, so that's about 1 John 2, verse number 17, about the world passing away. So you want to ask yourself, where are my values? Where are my values? Are they anchored in this world only? Or do I have a balanced approach to my life? Am I a good steward of Jesus Christ? Do I invest for eternal matters? Or is everything now here in this life? Be balanced. All right? Be balanced. Okay, let's take a short break. Here's what we're going to do for instruction. Um, our service begins at 1045. There's a short uh, period of a uh, break. Do whatever you need to do. And then um, for about five minutes, like looks like, the men will be here after your short break, and then ladies will be in that Chinese room, and then you can pray, we can pray, and pass on some important things, and then we will have the 1045 service, okay? So 